You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. But, um, hopefully he'll appreciate this, that we put him in the creamsicle uniforms. Yes, Paulie? There are shirts still available, by the way. And I, I looked at the mock-up. Are you thinking about going with the white helmet? No. With the, the Tampa white with the orange trim? No. Nope. Really all in? I'm going all in on creamsicle. Okay. Yeah. All in on creamsicle Beautiful. for Tom. Yes. All right. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Chris Fowler, the voice of college football, will join us coming up in a little bit. John Hamm, the actor, will join us a little bit later on. He's uh, taking part or took part in a celebrity poker event. And he's also in Top Gun. And I think that comes out in December. I think they already shot that. Uh, Tom Cruise. Who is the guy? Uh, who else is in that movie with uh, Tom Cruise? Zach Galifianakis, I think, is in. No, 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 oh. he's not. He's not in uh, that. Uh, the the uh, the kid who was in the J.K. Simmons movie, Miles Teller. Yes, Miles Teller. Tom Cruise, Jess, Jennifer Connelly. Wow, Val Kilmer, Ed Harris, John Hamm, Miles Teller. Okay, is Miles Teller his son? He's playing uh, a character called Rooster. Of course. Not not his son, I don't think. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. All right, so John Hamm will join us later on, and Russell Wilson will join us uh, coming up as well. Your phone calls are always welcome. Paulie's got a couple of really good poll questions, apparently. This, Since it's not in season, college football might not be front and center for most of you. The coronavirus is having a profound impact on all the sports. So no matter where they fall on the calendar, they're going to be impacted this year. There are reports that came out yesterday that we might be looking at spring college football. There's also a movement to expand the playoffs, maybe from four to 16 teams. Nobody knows for certain now. That's why I wanted to have Chris Fowler on and get an educated guess from him. But you can throw out the playbook for any kind of scenario from the past. I think everything is on the table in all of these sports. College football was already in the midst of change. You know, think back. It wasn't that long ago when the NCAA acquiesced to the idea of athletes making money off their own image. And another factor to consider, college football's revenue helps all the other collegiate sports at most of these schools. So it's a critical time. The NCAA's next moves are going to have an impact on Health, the economy, the future of college sports as we know it, and hopefully everybody involved makes wise decisions with the game that we love, and hopefully it's back soon. Chris Fowler tweeted this out yesterday. We are 20 Saturdays from the scheduled start of college football. So how likely is it that uh, this is going to happen? What scenarios are being weighed? When will we know more? Who is going to decide all of this? You're asking a lot of questions, and I get it. I'm starving for answers, too. Here's some, quote, informed speculation on where we are now after checking in with folks this week, which he will share with us coming up. I can only be so specific, and people don't want their names attached to this topic right now, but he has some answers or at least some informed speculation, which Chris Fowler will give that to you in about 10 minutes from now. Panthers have given Christian McCaffrey a new deal. He's the highest paid running back in the sport. I have some thoughts about that that I'll give that to you coming up. Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother to the coronavirus. If you know about their relationship, it's a Minnesota Timberwolves center and his relationship with his mom. I think his rookie year's mom went to every single game home and away. And, uh, 
I think he might have, you know, stayed with her and she cooked his meals for him. You know, they were they were best friends. But uh, Carl Anthony Towns and you look at some of those videos. I mean, it's heartbreaking. You know, wait, you know, he's talking about this and what she meant to him. And I know there are other people who have gone through similar hardships. And I, I just pointing this one out because it's sports related. But Carl uh, Anthony Towns losing his mother to the uh, coronavirus. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW, email address dp at danpatrick.com. Say good morning to our TV partners. It's uh, youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show and our radio affiliates, including the Fox Sports Radio lineup. McLovin, what kind of poll questions do you have today? Okay, we all agreed on this question. Was extending Christian McCaffrey, making the highest paid running back, a smart move or a dumb move for the Panthers? Okay, you did they have a year left on the contract or a fifth year option for him, I believe? Yeah, they definitely didn't have to do it now. Okay. You're in a rebuild. Okay, I see this from a, a variety of vantage points here. You, you lose Keekley, Greg Olson, Cam Newton is gone. You're really a faceless franchise. You got a new owner and a new coach. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Okay who might be a bridge quarterback, pun intended. Um, I wouldn't have paid him now. I would have had another season, and then we could talk about this. But even then, I would, I would want to give him – I would want to have him for three or four more years, but I would franchise tag him. I, I wouldn't want to give him a contract that's fully guaranteed or however much is guaranteed here. At that position, the better you are, the more carries, more touches you get. Like, if you're a great defensive back, if you're so great, nobody throws your way. A running back, we got to get you the ball even more. Now, McCaffrey is 24. He's turning 24. I, you're going to get his best years. Now, I understand why you know McCaffrey's got to be thrilled about this because you know he's going to get this before the age of 30 and might get another deal out of this as well. But at that position, he had a lot of carries at Stanford. I... And now I'm going to have him I, – now I have to rely on him even more because I don't have any weapons on offense. And it, I would be nervous about giving him that kind of length of a contract here. The money is $16 million a year. I mean, he's, he's that and more to that franchise. It's just that position. As important as he is to that offense, now he's got to be even more important – and the odds are not in your favor. And I don't look at Todd Gurley and the knee injury and go, oh, you can't do that. I mean, that's arthritis, and that was a pre-existing that he had. But you start to look at Derrick Henry. I wouldn't want to pay Derrick Henry, you know, four years. I would, I would franchise him. I would, I would want to do the next couple of years with him, and then after those two years, I'd say thank you, and then I'd be done. And then I'd move on to my next running back. Running backs aren't going to be top ten picks anymore. It's just not. You know, Saquon Barkley, you know, that, that's an aberration, it feels like. You know, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey. I just don't see that happening anymore at that position. And if you're McCaffrey, you know, you get the money, you're certainly worth that to your franchise. I just get nervous at that position. 400, 400 touches last year. Led the NFL. 400. And then look at what he did in college. Eventually, you only have so many carries. I've said this before about running backs. You only have so many touches in your body. That's it. It's the, it's the one position where you know eventually 
It's going to catch up to you. Wide receiver, you can sort of change who you are as a wide receiver. Uh, but running back, that's hard to change. Yeah, I'm pulling. How much do you think star power and the new owner factored in this? David Tepper, he lost a lot, a lot of faces in the past month yeah. or two. Yeah, a lot. Because it's like when the Lakers gave Kobe Bryant all that money at the end of his career. They weren't a good team, but they wanted to give you a reason to come out and see the Lakers. It wasn't, you know, financially smart with the Lakers of rebuilding your team, but they were sort of in between here and they gave Kobe that money and you showed up to watch Kobe play basketball. Carolina might be in the same situation here. Uh, Yeah, McLovin. Why would star power factor in in the NFL? I mean, fans are going to come out one way or the other. All they care about is a winner, not a star. I don't think it's a star-driven league like the NBA. Yeah, but you don't have anybody there in Carolina. I mean, you have Teddy Bridgewater. Christian McCaffrey will bring fans to you know to the stadium. Uh, that that's the face of the team nationally. I don't know how many players you can say that about in the NFL. You know, your quarterbacks. You know, you're showing up to see Patrick Mahomes. Are you showing you're showing up to see Aaron Rodgers, uh, Drew Brees? You can throw him in there. I mean, there's quarterback Tom Brady. You're going to show up to see how many non quarterbacks are you showing up to see? And, you know, the Bears fans going, I got to go see Khalil Mack. Probably not. Uh, are you showing up to see Derrick Henry? Maybe I could see that with uh, the Titans. Christian McCaffrey is somebody I think you show up to see. Yeah, McLevin. But isn't uh, Tepper supposed to be this great analytical owner, like the new wave of owners who puts a number? You know, that's how he got such an edge in hedge funds is analytics. This seems so odd for him to pay a running back. I would love to hear his logic and the analytics attached to Christian McCaffrey because it's still a running back with a lot of touches. Yeah, Paul. But if you read about David Tepper, he was always passionate about football. I'm guessing business, there's no passion. You look at stocks, you don't get passionate about a company. He may look at Christian McCaffrey and say, I got to have one guy to sell jerseys with, and I'm passionate about this player. Well, that's the mistake that these owners make. It's a business. That's why Belichick has been so good at what he does. It's a business to him. Robert Kraft is dealing with his his feelings and almost made it. He made a decision based off his feelings for Tom Brady and they kept Brady and they traded Garoppolo. And then he wanted to keep Tom Brady. I don't think Bill Belichick wanted to. That's the difference. The brilliant businessman made all this money to buy the team, but the businessman is really Bill Belichick because Robert Kraft, his heart was getting involved in this, your feelings. And that's dangerous for no Jerry Jones does this all the time. In, you know, brilliant businessman to make the money to buy the team. And then sometime Daniel Snyder, you made the money and then you let your feelings get involved in this. And that's certainly dangerous when it comes to handing out these contracts. But Christian McCaffrey, I get why they did it. I just wouldn't want to draft it as much as I love Saquon Barkley. I would use Saquon Barkley for the next couple of years. And then I would franchise him if I think that he is going to still be that elite running back. If not, then I move on. And then, you know, you've made you've made that choice. You did it once. You won't do it again. You're not going to take a running back in the top 10. I just don't see that happening. Not anytime soon. Unless somebody comes along like an Adrian Peterson, a Marshall Falk, a Herschel Walker, even Zeke Elliott, I wouldn't have given that deal. I wouldn't have extended that contract. But because I think that offensive line has been so good, I can I can spend that money elsewhere, and I, I can get a running back who can get me a thousand yards behind that line. 
Yeah, Paul. It's weird because it's like a, I don't know if it's a cycle, but it's a series of bad decisions. If you take a running back in the top 10, that means you're paying him a lot right off the bat when you can get one in the third round. And if that running back works out, you have to pay him again because that, that's the direction you chose. Like when you just chose Zeke Elliott, you wanted him to be an alpha back, and he did it. He did exactly what you wanted. Now you got to pay him again. Christian McCaffrey, he was came out to be better than advertised. People thought he wasn't going to be that great. He was great, but now you got to pay him again. You have to double down. It's like... You're, the production is there, but the financial mistake is heavy. But that's why when you get Alvin Kamara, by the way, Alvin Kamara was on Twitch and uh, he was with his, his guys playing Twitch. He was on a, doing a video game. This is his reaction in real time to hearing that Christian McCaffrey signed that contract. Hey, what's your Ooh, wait, pause, pause, pause. What's up? Carolina's what? Christian McCaffrey signed a four-year extension, $16 million a year. He did? Big bag. Mm-hmm. Who's reporting that? Here, awesome. here, here I come. Shafter. He said what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Alvin, what that mean for you, man? Ooh. Hey, man, look. I don't even, look. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love big bag. Big bag of cash there. Yeah, that's a big bag. Big bag. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, yeah, get paid. But you got him in, what, the third round? I, I, I think if you're able to get your running back out of the first round, uh, then you do it. You know, find somebody that you think that, you know, and a lot of these college teams, a lot of these college coaches, you know, they they're still believe in that running game. You know, Ohio State always has that great running back. You know, you're, you, that's just, you know, your success is predicated on that or that's your belief. But it's just different now. You can have a workhorse in college, but that's not the way it works in the NFL. It worked for Derrick Henry. And without him, they don't go to the conference championship game. Uh, But, you know, at some point, Derrick Henry is not going to be that battering ram anymore. Uh, A former uh, scout and a former uh, player said, once a tough uh, running back, you know, tough, you know, that style of running at you, over you, into you, once you get paid your next contract, you don't do that as much anymore. That you do it where you run straight ahead. After you get paid, you you don't run straight ahead. You make a couple of moves there. And that's what I I wonder. Can Derrick Henry continue to be that kind of running back? And for how long? But they franchise tagged him too, right, McLevin? I believe they did. Did they? I'm not sure. But uh, I have a question well, on. They're the still backs. negotiating, I think, with him. But I think they're. I, I think they franchise tagged him. But I don't know what this does to his his negotiations because what happened with Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, McLevin. Well, McCaffrey is a receiver. I saw social media. The analytics guys were killing this deal. There was a game where McCaffrey had 121 yards receiving. And they lost 29 to three. Like there seems to be a, a disconnect between his production and actually scoring points, which I is weird with the Panthers. Okay. How do you vote on the poll then? I don't mind the deal because it's not that much money and he's so young. It's 16 million. That's like wide receiver two money. It's not like the end of the world. Yeah. But, so, but, but that position is what we're looking at. It's not, Hey, let's compare him to Tyron Matthew who makes 16 million a year. It's but I, they slot you in how much you make. And, and how much do other running backs make? I do agree because of his uh, receiving, he's a top three or four running back. He's very valuable. I probably wouldn't have done it. I like what you said. I would have waited in the beginning, but he is at 23. That feels like he's almost a rookie. So how many touches did he have at Stanford those last two years? You have 350 touches. But so you're saying he's an old 23. Well, it catches up to you at some point. 
I mean, Le'Veon Bell, when's the last time somebody talked about him being a great running back? And it wasn't long ago where it was like, wow, that guy is different than anybody else in the NFL. That, that's it. Done. I mean, these running backs, they flame out. It's just the position. I get why they're doing it. I don't think that by the time they're successful, is Christian McCaffrey going to be there? By the time they get back to maybe being a playoff team. And, and you can't trade him because they weren't going to get anything in return. You know, I think some of the, uh, the, the reports were maybe a, maybe a second-round pick if you traded Christian McCaffrey. But they were looking at this. If I was going to do a total rebuild, and I, then I would look at trading Christian McCaffrey. And then I would basically say, I'm going to tank. We're going to tank here. Because somebody's going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. And maybe that team is Jacksonville. Because Jacksonville can then say, oh, we were bad. Uh, we'll take Trevor Lawrence, please. Somebody is going to be the worst team in football, whether it's by design or not. And if you're this new owner, new coach, maybe that would have been the approach. I, you know, maybe you don't bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe you kept Kyle Allen. Maybe you traded McCaffrey. You lose Keekley. You lose Olsen. You don't have Cam anymore. Total rebuild. But look, we have an idea. We have a game plan here. I, I, you know, that might be an approach here. But I don't know. It's hard to say to your fan base, hey, come on out, spend your money, and we're going to be really bad because we're going to get really good next year. Yeah, Paul. McCaffrey's last two years at Stanford, he averaged 25 carries a game at the running back position. No running back in the past 40 years in the NFL has averaged 25 carries a game. Yeah, yeah. And he's a, he's a talented player, but I, I just at some point you say, is he worth it? Are you building around a running back? And I think the only team that's done that is Tennessee. They built around a running back, and they were successful. But Christian McCaffrey is a different type of running back. Chris Fowler will join us coming up next. We got questions. Does Chris have answers? As he said, he had informed speculation to help us with the college football season, expanding the playoffs, and when will we see football on the field with fans? We'll talk to Chris Fowler. Your phone calls are welcome. Russell Wilson a little later on, and the actor John Hamm will stop by. It's 20 after the hour. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. We put up, uh, was extending Christian McCaffrey a good move or a bad move? Okay. Early results say good move. 55% say they like it. All right. Uh, we'll go around the room. Paul, you like it? No, I don't like the entire concept of drafting a running back high and then have to paying him again. It just it defeats the purpose of uh, low low end running backs, low cost running back. Fritzy, what about you? I understand they could have waited, but I like it. I think he's the face of the team, and he's the. You could, I'm, I know the whole thing about the running back, and we're kind of downplaying how important a running back is these days. But I'm I'm in on McCaffrey and paying him. McLovin. I don't like it because I got to stick to my guns about not paying running backs. Although I do like McCaffrey because he was so nice to us at the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't factor in with how you're voting. Seton. Yeah. I mean, I understand the football part of it and not paying your running back, but there's plenty of quarterbacks who don't deserve the money they're getting. Uh, <laughs> and well, you know, no one really complains about that. And they're making twice as much as Christian McCaffrey is. So yeah, yeah I'm all about it. Let's get the running back some dough. 
Well, I'm glad he's getting paid because he's he's earned it. But you you can't pay with what you think somebody's going or what somebody did. You have to pay with what you think they're going to do. And what is he going to be doing here in the next couple of years? And how much do you load up? Uh, on McCaffrey because you're not going to be a very good team. He's the voice of college football for ESPN, ABC, and also tennis host for the uh, Mothership as well, Chris Fowler on the program. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Hi, Dan. I'm, I'm well. I'm, I'm very, very blissful, very relaxed this morning. So I've done my uh, my breathing exercises, which is a daily ritual in quarantine. So I'm, I'm relaxed. Don't don't talk too loudly or too quickly, and, and don't you know? Don't be angry or controversial, and we'll we'll do just fine this morning. Okay, right. but it's a natural. It's, I assure you, it's a natural high. <laughs> <laughs> do you watch any college football replays or anything? Is it doing it for you? I mean, no. I watched the Texas USC game, um, the Rose Bowl Classic game, which. Um, I, I stood on the sidelines and watched Vince Young run to the pylon and it was the greatest game I've ever seen. So when ESPN ran that the other week, I did watch it. I have not been dialed into the classic games. I know people are starving for it, and that's able to fill the void for them. It's not doing it for me. I, I, I am missing live sports, maybe not as much as some people, or as much as I thought I was, but I am not glued to YouTube or ESPN Classic. Um, locked in. I probably shouldn't say that, but I don't know. I, I, I probably will watch some vintage Wimbledon when it gets around time to Wimbledon. I'll be missing that. And obviously if we don't start football on time, I'll be, I'll be starting for it. I'll probably be, I'll probably watch LSU Clemson 10 times, but I haven't done a lot of that yet. All right, let's jump into it then. You mentioned that uh, we're 20 Saturdays away from the scheduled start of college football. And you threw out some questions there. You also said informed speculation here. So where do you want to start with the college football season? Well, people are all over the place. There's no consensus. Just like when you hear the experts differ on how to deal with this virus going forward, there's no two people on the same page in college football. The commissioners are having these regular conversations. The coaches are doing their thing. Each athletic director has its own take depending on where – they are in the country. So we're not going to know a lot for a while. I think the clarity will begin to happen during May, but I just don't get the sense that the country is going to be in the same place. And these programs and these conferences are going to be at the same place in, in late July, August, when you absolutely have to get players back on campus, if you're going to play and it's not what people want to hear, but I think there's severe challenges trying to start a season on time. And if you don't do that, like what's, and everybody wants, that's what you hope for. God, we hope for things. But if hope isn't a strategy unless you got truth and facts, right? We've already seen that. So what's realistic? And I don't know if, if, if it's really realistic to gather in 20 Saturdays and have a national season. I mean, you're going to have a lot of colleges online exclusively this summer. The campuses won't even be open. So how can you bring this unpaid workforce back in there and say, hey, we're playing games? Without a bunch of people going, wait, why are we? What are we doing? Is this? There's a lot of questions and not very many answers. Right? The idea of a delayed season, even a, even a season early in 21 in the spring, which seems radical to people, to others find it just undoable. But it might be a way to salvage football in the calendar, in the school year, I should say, if it can't be salvaged in the fall. Informed speculation. 
Informed speculation on what in particular you were talking about? Well, what what's likely going to happen? I mean, what, what are the challenges to getting things up and running on time? There are a lot of them. I mean, do you think this is in the same place in New York and California and Louisiana and Texas and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Florida and Utah? I mean, we're all over the place. Yeah. This, this, this virus is cresting in different places, different places in the cycle. I mean, you know, the South really hasn't been hit yet, but do you think there's going to be states that are spared? People are viewing this in the lens of where they are and not realizing, look, 50 governors don't have to sign off for football to come back. I mean, I've been told that. Not every single athletic director and commissioner has to be exactly on the same page. But what if one area of the country is totally different from another? What if the West is ready to open up quicker, but the the Northeast of the Big Ten isn't? I mean, what what are you going to do? You can have a partial season. It doesn't make any sense to me. So, I mean, I I know that there's going to be no perfect solution, Dan. And I know that people go crazy when they think that we can't wait until February or March. But if you need the revenue, if you operate under the assumption that these, these conferences have got to get on the field at some point or the revenue loss is going to be catastrophic to the whole athletic department, not just football, then... You're not dealing with ideal scenarios. You're dealing with desperation and trying to make it work. That's why. He's Chris Fowler, uh, the voice of college football for ESPN and ABC. I'm also wondering, though, Chris, do we minimize the regular season and maybe try to maximize postseason and and that we do make that leap from Final Four to 8 or 16? Everything's on the table. Everything's on the table because these are such uncharted times and nobody knows what's, what, what's the best thing to do. If you, if you start the season late, let's say you're not going to be ready August, you start the season in October, November, you cut some games, you, you, you alter the postseason. I don't think there's going to be 30 bowl games played under a lot of these scenarios, but the playoffs, what's important, that's where the dollars are in the big bowls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can shorten the season. You can do away with the non-conference. That's been talked about, too. Everything's been talked about. A lot of, all this is on the table. But I don't know. I mean, you, you know the conversations that are going on in other sports are even more radical than what's going on in college football. Just in the desperation to have a baseball season, what they're talking about, what the NHL is contemplating. Um, the NFL is going to get heavy political pressure to start on time and operate normally. And, you know, a lot of these owners will feel the financial pinch, believe it or not. I mean, they're all super wealthy. But you take away that revenue, they're going to feel the pinch if they don't have a season on time. The networks will apply their pressure. The NFL is far less complicated than college football, though. Nothing is as complicated in getting all, everybody together and up and running <laughs> as college football. I mean, it's just it, there's no central control. Yeah. And that's that's part of the problem in yeah. a lot of cases. Yeah, that's my big, big concern here is you don't have that one voice. You know, Adam Silver with the NBA, Rob Manfred with yeah. baseball, Roger Goodell with the NFL. And then you get to college football and you go, uh... Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what's going on. You're having the power of five commissioners who are not the deciders. But they're the ones that have to get together and run the scenarios and be ready for whatever is decided. But, but you know, they, they tell me, you know, the, the municipalities, the states, they're the ones who shut things down and they're the ones that are going to be turning things back on. And so you've got to listen to, you know, the, the governors and the mayors of cities like San Francisco and New York and Chicago and Dallas. And it, those are the ones that are going to decide that, you know, the states, are, you know, this battle back and forth we've seen play out 
at these briefings in the last couple of days, I mean, the states are saying, wait a minute, we decided what's right for us in the cities. In fact, specifically, we're going to decide what's right for us going forward. And, and that's the way it's going to be. So that's what I, that's why I started with. How are you going to be on the same page? Who knows what it's going to be like when the state's not yet affected, really begin to, to build in these numbers, you know. Well, I mean, then you I, have Dabo. I think it's, it's a rush to get back on the field. I mean, a lot of coaches are saying stuff that are tone deaf. So wait, you're the one that has to breathe. You're the one that was in a zen-like mood. Now you're like you're getting a little riled up here. I am. <laughs> Take, a <laughs> Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Well, then you have you know Mike Gundy, and then you have Dabo Sweeney, who you know they they throw this out. We're coming back, and like some somehow we can. You know, the coronavirus doesn't affect us, or we're coming back May. First, and I went. We, we can't have these proclamations here. We can't go rogue. Well, the, 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 no, you can't. And I, I think that, that that's the thing, though. That the coaches are are paid to be ready for any scenario, and they have to plan and get ready for an on-time season because that's that's the first scenario that's on the table. It, as unlikely to some people as that seems, that's what you have to plan for. I, I talked to a bunch of coaches. I'm going to do another video on what kinds of programs are going to be able to come through this and thrive and what programs are really going to struggle? What does it take within the program to, to weather this? And so in trying to get their opinions, it's obvious that, that they are preparing for an on-time season like you have to. And you have to be hopeful and optimistic. That's what coaches are. But you also have to have perspective and, and a sense of priorities. And these are not pro athletes, man. If your campus is closed, if your campus has said it's not ready, we're not ready for students to come back. But football players, get your butts back in oh, here, no. put you in quarantine, or take your temperature every day. You're going to prepare to go out and perform so we can get this cash cow flowing again. Wait a minute. I mean, don't you think a lot of players are going to say, wait a minute, we, we won't do that. You're, you're deciding for us a public health issue when, when the rest of everybody else is operating on different rules. I know they want to play. I get it. And they feel invulnerable, Dan. You know that there's no segment of society that feels more bulletproof, more able to withstand something than males aged 18 to 22. Right? I mean, that's the age group that's going to feel like we're not high risk. We're not going to get sick. If we get symptoms, we're going to kick its ass. Okay, I understand that's your mindset, but this is so new and unique and unknowable that you just got to err on the side of caution and safety. It's an unpaid workforce. For once, let's not take them for granted and, and, and let's consider their needs. Does that just make sense? Yeah, I get it. And you're right. You know, 18 through 22, you're like, hey, I'm going to live forever. But, uh, yeah. you know. You- There's a reason why in history, those are the people that you put out to fight your wars, you know, because they're the ones that will jump into the fray and, and be fearless and feel like it's not going to happen to them. Hey, I wanted, and, and, to, I wanted to ask you this before I let you go. You, you hand out the Heisman every year. And, you know, Joe Burrow won it, uh, obviously. But what strikes you about his personality? Um, extreme confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I have never run into anybody. He's cocky, let's just say it. And it's okay, because he went and backed it up. Yeah. We had the meetings before the championship game. Kirk and I both came out of the going, I have never a guy or a team with more supreme belief 
they're going to kick the ass of a really good team, the defending champs who won 20-some in a row, whose defense and defense coordinator have these proven credentials. Joe Burrow had absolutely zero doubt that that game was going to unfold exactly as it did. And I thought, wow, man, and that's a leader. I know that he's not that way when you walk around him in everyday life, but you put him in game mode, and he was very much in game mode in this meeting. And he walks on the field with supreme belief. So I know what people think. He's overrated, not worthy of a top pick, got his limitations, two is better. I promise you in his head and his heart, he believes there's nobody better than him. And he'll believe that he's ready from day one. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at that position. I, that's what strikes me about him. He, he is you know, also he's like a 40-year-old soul in a, in a much younger body. Super, super mature, very bright. <laughs> so all those things that are going to wow the teams are there. If, if Tua was healthy, and you saw them both, you're the Bengals, who would you take? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm not in that position. Team, teams have flunked those questions for years. <laughs> I mean, Tua throws a prettier ball. I mean, Tua, is a, it's watching him throw the ball in person for the first time is one of those wow moments. Like, I've never seen the ball come out of a guy's hand. It's beautiful. Hmm. Joe doesn't throw like that. He, he just doesn't. He throws, an, he throws a great ball. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, a lot of his, his spirals, they're not tight. They're not spun they're, they're, they get there. He's, a, he's an incredibly instinctive and incredibly accurate thrower. But, you know, what, what struck me when I watched him in person was he, he's not as pretty of a thrower with football as I thought, but he's way more athletic. Burrow is quick. He's faster than you think. He's elusive. He's instinctive. All those things are hard to quantify in a workout. But two are throwing the ball in a workout. And you know, I, I know that hip thing is something I'd be a little bit concerned about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say 100%, but can you be sure? Yeah. You know, most guys who have that surgery end up having hip replacement. Those are normal people, much less NFL athletes. So somewhere in his future, he's probably going to have near an operation. Now, hopefully it's after a long career. But, man, I, I, hope, he, I hope he's not hampered at all by that, because I just want to see him at, you know, on, you- on Sundays throwing the ball the way he throws it. <laughs> Do you know that I have Carson Palmer's Heisman in my man cave? You do? Yeah. yeah I, I asked. You, you just bought it at auction? No, no, no. He had it in his garage, and I said, well, if you're not using it, send it to me. He packed it up and <laughs> sent it. So I have it in the man cave. Like a, a loan, right? Like it wasn't a permanent gift. It's well, he might have to come That's and get cool, it. Man. He might have to come and get it, but <laughs> he sent it. I'm walking around. I have some like Heisman winners only swag that I wear. I thought that was cool. I don't have a trophy. <laughs> I, I bow down. I bow down to your man. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, I know. Hey, great to talk to you. Hope the family is good. My best to Jen, and uh, and uh, I'll be following you on Twitter. Thank you, bud. Well, Instagram. Who cares about Twitter? Oh, Instagram. My bad. Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. Send, send people to Instagram. It's much more. Um, it's much better for quarantine. You can expand on things. So just. Yeah, I don't. I'm off Twitter. I'm on. I'm okay. on Instagram. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll do this again. I enjoy it. Be well. Be safe. All right. Thank you. That's Chris Fowler. We're back with our play of the day after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon Eastern, six to nine Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com/slash The Dan Patrick Show. Chris Fowler had a great reaction to the question about. 
about, uh, you know, when, you, when you're when you seeing uh, Joe Burrow in person, it when I met him at the Super Bowl and I went, wow, that guy's got, you know, if I was going to say the word swag, I would attach it to him. He came in, he was confident. He's as confident as any young athlete I've ever met. Because you, you're just jolted by it a little bit. You're like, whoa, this guy is really, really self-assured. And so when Fowler said that, that's the same reaction I had. You come out, of, you know, a, he had a meeting with him, him and Kirk Herbstreit before the national title game. And you're like, that guy is really, really confident. And then what he said about Tua, that experience, the uniqueness of seeing and hearing that ball leave his hand is what the scouts are talking about. He throws a different type of ball. Perfect. And, uh, you know, that's why he's getting compared to Drew Brees. You know, maybe throwing it, but he's, you know, far more athletic than Drew. And, you know, extended play. He's different than Drew Brees. Maybe in the pocket, you know, he throws a similar ball. I liken him a little bit more to Russell Wilson with the full package of what he's going to offer. And at the top of next hour, I, I have a crazy idea for the Miami Dolphins. I'll share that for you coming up. <laughs> yeah, crazy idea. That'll be at the top of next hour. Uh, got an uh, email here. This is from uh, Greg, who says, uh, 66225. My uh, first son is two and a half. His name is Daniel, but we go uh, sometimes go by Dan. We're expecting twin boys in two weeks. Which two names do you like best? Paul, Todd, Seton, Andrew. I'm going to go. Um, his last name is uh, Statler. And let me see. Stat, Statter. S-T-A-D-T-E-R, Statter. So Paul Statter, Todd Statter. There's a lot of D's in there. Seton. Well, Seton, I got to do that just because how many kids are named Seton? Andrew. Andrew Statter. I'm going to go Seton and Andrew. Yes, yeah, Seton. Yeah, that works. I mean, you just want to be careful because uh, along with Seton also comes semen, apparently. That's so just my mom. <laughs> So I want to be careful with that. I don't know how she got to that when, you know, she always would take inventory of the show and tell me what, you know, she didn't like and whatever. I said something that she didn't think was true or correct. And then she go, how are, how are the, the Danettes? I'm good. How's Seaman? I go, who's Seaman? I said his name is Seaton. Oh, oh, okay. How's Seaman? How's Seaman? How's Seaman? I say that to him occasionally when I... If I haven't seen Seaton in a while, I go, how's semen? <laughs> All right, top of next hour. I got a crazy idea for the Miami Dolphins. Have that for you. Coming up, Dan Patrick Show. How's semen? <laughs> <laughs> 